Hey guys, uh, before we get into uh, this week's episode, I want to do a little bit of a housekeeping again up, up front kind of thing. Um, uh, this episode is going to be just about me talking basically about uh, about food, and uh, it's not going to be an interview or anything like that. It's just kind of things that we need to do uh, or, or, or different kind of preparations and stuff that we can do uh, that we don't normally maybe not think about. And um, I, I named this uh, episode after a quote that... Uh, Someone I knew said uh, regarding a freezer in that it's uh, it's a freezer, not a time machine, meaning, uh, yeah, you can keep stuff in there for a while, but you don't really can't keep stuff in there forever. But uh, with, with proper, you know, wrapping and, and uh, packaging and stuff, you know, you can keep stuff in there a long time. But hopefully this episode uh, kind of gives you some ideas to try and do different things that might be in your freezer different preparations of wild game that uh, that are they're pretty easy they're relatively easy but they're so flavorful so anyway a little bit of um, uh, housekeeping too uh, we had great response to uh, the ranch fairy episode that was really cool so I'm actually uh, revamping my arrows not my traditional stuff but uh, I kind of wanted to go through some of my compound arrows and I'll do another episode on that uh, talking about how how and how and why I, I end up ended up with what I ended up with and I didn't I'm not really done that yet um, I started changing stuff around spine wise and, and insert wise point weight wise that kind of thing but uh, I'm still I've still got some tinkering to do and I still have to figure out what broadheads I want to shoot with that thing um, and I don't have them yet so anyway that's kind of something I'm going to be working on and then uh, also uh, I keep talking about you know how to support the channel and that kind of stuff you know go to the YouTube channel um, in the links there, you know, I have product uh, description. I have I have product reviews and things like that. And in there, I have descriptions. If you do the little drop down on the right hand side in the description, it'll tell you it'll you know what the thing is about. And uh, there are Amazon links in there. And again, click through any one of those links. If you're going to do any kind of shopping, I appreciate it if you go through there, even if you're not going to buy the thing that I'm talking about. So uh, new reviews will be going up. I just put one up about the um, uh, the Olight, uh, little EDC uh, personal little you know, keychain flashlight, super cool little flashlight. Um, I just got another one. I did a review on it. I've had one for about a year sitting in my... Um, hunting pack and uh you know a good stuff and they just kind of scroll through the rest the rest of the uh the, the stuff i have in there there's there's lots of good reviews so i appreciate that and then obviously share and please leave a rating for this podcast ratings are just huge i've been kind of uh soliciting ratings from um from from people i know and um you know other people that do this and you know we make sure to try to support each other kind of thing so uh ratings are absolutely huge i don't know how to do it if you're on um like on a samsung device or something like that there's got to be a way but on uh, on apple Podcasts, which is like the big you know the big big daddy there it's it's really easy to do just basically go to uh um, you kind of go to the, you know, my, my icon, my page, you know, for my podcast, scroll all the way down and then it'll be ratings down there. You don't even have to re- leave a review. All the reviews are appreciated, but a rating is absolutely, uh, absolutely huge. And also, um, another side note is we just recently did a, well, the, the push, the push archery, uh, recently did a, um, uh, a fundraiser slash giveaway for a uh, fellow bow hunter by the name of Paul Helms. He had some emergency, uh, uh, heart surgery, and uh, we raised a boatload of money. So I want to thank everybody who. A lot of you guys probably, you know, know about this already, or maybe some of you uh, contributed. I contributed uh, some money, and I also contributed some T-shirts. 
uh, to the eventual eventual uh, winner, and uh, that was really good. That was really good to see the community coming together and, and helping out a fellow, um, you know, a fellow hunter. So I hope uh, you know Paul is uh, he's definitely doing well. He's on his way to uh, a good recovery, and it was just really really nice to see and and and, and see that from the from the community. So uh, speaking of those shirts though that I that had donated, is I, I I keep telling you guys about the Boning Soul um, store on Teespring. Well. Unfortunately, on Teespring, if you don't sell like a boatload of shirts, and I don't sell a boatload of shirts, then you don't even come up in the search results. It was It's really infuriating. Uh, I tried going in there under like a different computer, you know, a different IP address, that kind of thing. And if you go to T, you know, Teespring, T-E-E-Spring.com, and you search for bow hunting soul, I don't even come up, it's, it, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, even though the, the store is there, the online store is there, the little, little storefront that they do, um, and all the shirts are there. So... I'm going to leave a link uh, in the show notes here. So scroll down in the show notes. It will be a link directly to um, directly to that storefront. I, I can take you via a link, you know, like a hyperlink. But for some reason, if you go to Teespring and you try to type in Bohoning Soul or whatever, uh, it, it's, it's not found unless you sell like a bunch of T-shirts. So anyway, uh, that's kind of infuriating, but uh, I'm trying to, you know, promote those a little bit better. So I will leave a link for that. Uh, below. And I guess that's kind of all the, the housekeeping the housekeeping that I had over here. So with that said, we can uh, get on to the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Bowhorning Soul Podcast. Um, today I am actually uh, solo again. And what we're going to talk about today is, uh, I guess, uh, making the most of our harvest. This uh, this bounty that we, uh, you know, to be all poetic about it, this bounty of, of, of nature that we get, right? Meaning, like, we shoot stuff, and how do we cook it, right? So, um, I've repeatedly said, and I think you guys have heard, that I really, really enjoy the cooking and the processing and the butchering and all that stuff part, just as much as the hunting. To me, it's part of, it's part of hunting. So... Um, I, I guess, you know, people's hunting skills and their cooking skills don't necessarily always, like, align. Um, I've always figured that, you know, if you're going to cook, if you're going to shoot this stuff, that you might as well try and uh, do the best job that you can uh, trying to at least butcher it yourself. Uh, you know, like, field dress it yourself, butcher it yourself, get it out of the field, process it yourself. And by processing... Uh, the difference between, uh, let's say, butchering, butchering, and processing. Butchering would be uh, kind of breaking the animal down from, you know, you you need to bring it home. It's hanging in your garage, in your shed, whatever, and uh, you decide that you're gonna okay. So what do I do with this thing now? It's got the skin on, it's got the bones, it's got the meat, and all that stuff. Well, butchering to me would be uh, taking that animal apart, skinning it, uh, taking off all. Uh, like quartering it basically like taking off the front legs taking off the hind legs um pretty much basically any uh video that you've seen on quote unquote how to butcher a deer how to butcher a pig or or what have you so you got the front you know you got the front legs you got the rear legs you got the uh the back straps which are the loins you've got the tenderloins which are on the inside ribs that kind of stuff right so so to me that's butchering and then beyond that once you get all that that together well each one of those sections that you just took apart has multiple um, cuts out of there. And that final, I guess, um, uh, you know, cutting it up and, and, and getting it ready for the freezer, or the, the fridge or freezer, probably freezer, that to me is um, uh, processing. Now, uh, processing can also include making things into 
burger, making things into jerky, um, or it could just be cutting and wrapping into smaller uh, usable chunks so that, you know, you decided to pull something for dinner, you know, for, for the next night or for, for that night or something. You go to the freezer and you grab a wrapped packet uh, that you've pre-prepared. So uh, to me, process would would mean something that's completely um, uh, deboned if you're going to debone it, uh, ready to serve size or at least or, or family size, whatever size that you decide is going to be good for uh, putting it in the freezer and keeping you know and, and keeping it for for future you know just pulling it out and making it for dinner kind of thing. Um, it would have been. Uh, in my in my mind, cleaned cleaned of all the silver skin, cleaned of all uh, um, you know hair, or, you know any, anything else that that's on there. So it's like a perfectly cut, wrapped, you know, ready to go piece of meat, um, uh, ready to go, ready to you know defrost and and, and do what you're going to do with it when you're when you're going to cook it. So um, I guess we can kind of get into it. There are there's going to be uh, I, I'm not really going to make this into a butchering and processing video or or a podcast because there are a ton of those out there, and uh, that would really entail uh, me actually doing a video with that sort of stuff. So a I didn't shoot crap for deer this year uh, or this previous year. I did shoot a pig. Um, but I didn't, you know, film any of the processing or any of that stuff. Uh, I, I do have some pictures out there of it, you know, all the stuff nice cut and wrapped in my freezer, which is great. But um, anyway, so I'm going to skip that that part. But I, uh, what I wanted to talk about really is kind of, you know, what can we do? What can we do with this stuff? Of course, you can make burgers. Of course, you can make jerky. Of course, you can make roasts, right? But um, I, I really think, you know, if we're going to get into... Um, yeah, get into this. You know, there's there's like some simple things you can do, and there's like some really really over the top, you know, things like you can do. Kind of like the you know Stephen Ranella it out kind of thing, where you know you're you're wrapping call fat around you know meatballs kind of thing. Um, not quite gonna go there with it either, but uh, I do want to talk about just kind of four simple uh, things that we can do with our deer and you can do this with pork but i'm just going to stick to deer let's say four simple things that you can do with deer that um some of them are like super simple some of them may seem kind of fancy but it's really not but they're going to be just absolute like just just flavor bombs it's going to be uh, it's going to be amazing so um the four uh, the four things are going to be uh first of all you can grind it there's nothing wrong with grinding your deer uh, it seems to have gotten, you know, kind of a bad rap lately, you know, with all the fancy cooking and fancy, uh, culinary stuff going out there and, and, and uh, lately, which, you know, it's great that all that stuff is out there, but it's not meant to minimize, uh, anybody who, who doesn't want to go any further than just grinding a bunch of deer and using it for burger. You can use it for burger, you can use it for tacos, you can use it for, you know, whatever you use ground beef for, you can use, um, you can use deer meat for. So grinding is going to be one of them. Uh, we'll talk about that real quick. Uh, number two is uh, going to be doing some venison ribs. Now, uh, the ribs are going to be not as thick and meaty as you're probably used to getting at the store. And if it's a really small deer, you probably don't have a ton of meat on them. But I guarantee you, in a medium to larger size deer, uh, you don't want to waste these. A lot of times this gets left with a carcass. It gets thrown away. You don't want to throw these away. Um, the number four, uh, number three thing that uh, we can do is we want to do uh, shoulders. Shoulders and shanks. I'm going to put them together. 
uh, typically these cuts have been uh, tougher, tougher sinew, and I'll get I'll get deeper into all this stuff. But they've been kind of tougher. They got a lot of connective tissue and sinew and and uh, things like that in there. Uh, these would be like for shanks, like on, on the lower part of the leg, or um, uh, like a front shoulder, for example, where you know there's not just you know one big kind of chunk of meat that you can kind of take off uh where the meat that you do take off has lots of sinew and kind of stuff in it uh typically that again that's been taken off and made into burger which is a shame you can do that if you want to but uh i've got a, a fantastic you know recipe that i do with um a braised uh braised shoulder and you could do that with shanks too it's same kind of deal same kind of uh uh meat and uh and and and, and ligament and connective tissue and stuff that you're dealing with everything that makes it super super tough when you are trying to grind it or you know trying to cook it just you know on a grill or something like that this meat is not meant for that everything that makes it super tough to do that when you actually braise it low and slow for a long time will absolutely absolutely turn this in you know turn that stuff will melt and it'll turn it into meat butter it's going to be amazing and then the number four thing i want to talk about is um kind of an old school deal not a lot of people do it but I guarantee you're gonna love it is canning if you've never canned anything before uh, don't sweat it this is something that you can start with and I guarantee you um, you are gonna you, you're, you're from now on you're probably if you shoot enough deer or even if you shoot just one deer you're probably gonna want to can some of it um, and, I'm, and I'm gonna tell you why so anyway I guess so we can jump right into this with um, the grinding we can just jump right in with 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 grinding deer um now there's many grinders out there there's many different types of grinders out there i have a cabela's one i don't remember what uh you know i think it's like three quarter horsepower or something like that it's or yeah i i, I don't know i don't even know if it's that much um I bought it for like a hundred bucks. It's not a heavy duty one. It is a, I would say light to, you know, I think it's rated as a medium duty, but I think it's more like a light duty, but it seems to do fine. Now, if I was shooting five, six, eight, ten 10 deer a year, like some of you guys are, I'd probably want to invest in something that's got like, you know, one and a half horse or something like that. Um, all steel gears, that kind of thing. The one I have, uh, has plastic gears in it they have not failed yet. Um, you know, I've done a bunch of pigs, bunch of bunch of deer with it, and if it goes, you know, maybe I'll shell out for some of the higher, you know, higher end quality kind of stuff. But you know, this Cabela's grinder works. There are um, other grinders out there. Lem products, L-E-M. Lem uh, makes uh, you know really great stuff. Weston is kind of like premier, um, and you know, you can even buy an attachment for your KitchenAid mixer if you have a KitchenAid mixer and you you know you like to bake or something like that. Um, I, I've heard that that attachment actually works works out pretty well. The uh, the burger pile really comes from uh, for, for for me anyway comes from um, kind of chunks of meat that are that are too small that are not gonna kind of fit the trimmed up size like if I have like a bigger roast and I'm gonna you know you know kind of um, cut that up and trim that up into nice kind of squarish chunks or something like that. And I'm cutting, I'm cutting off ends. I'm cutting off uh, uh, kind of the, the tapered ends, that kind of stuff. I'm cutting off little random smaller pieces that just, you know, are kind of falling off or been cut off or you know don't quite fit like like the perfect kind of chunk mold kind of thing. So I tend to uh, put that stuff into what you know we all call a grind pile. Now your grind pile may be the entire deer. Again, that's 100% fine. Um, the key to doing all this stuff though 
is when I cut up when I cut up my deer, or when I cut up the grind pile stuff. I'll I'll while I'm kind of processing all this stuff and kind of you know taking the deer apart, you know I'll have it sitting in like metal bowls, um, just to you know kind of separate stuff, keep it keep it sanitary and and, and clean and all that stuff. But um, when you get enough when you get enough of it, I guess I'll what I'll end up doing is I'll end up cubing that thing. I'll end up cubing the chunks of meat. Usually I mean they say you can do like, you know, like two inch squares. I two inches kinda of really, really big. I like to do it in like one inch squares. Um and you could do two things with this. One, if you ever decide to not grind it, okay, um, then you can always use this as stew meat, just kind of cubed up stew meat, right? You, you buy stew meat at the at the store. It's usually the cubed up. That's this stuff. It's all like the trimmings and stuff they decide to you know to cut up for you and bag up. Um, I'll put this stuff in um, uh, you know like like a Ziploc baggie or whatever. I typically don't have a lot of problem with um, a freezer burn. Most of everything else I wrap, in fact, almost everything else I wrap and that's ready for the freezer, what I will do is I will wrap it in saran wrap or I would wrap, uh, and then wrap it in uh, butcher paper or freezer paper. And that prevents uh, freezer burn, which is basically oxidation. Oxidation is what will uh, cause freezer burn. So the key is to get all the air as much, you know, whenever you're going to, whatever you happen to be doing, right, whether it's this cube meat or grind or, or whatever. When you're when you're wrapping this stuff, uh, you know, put it in some saran wrap, squeeze out all the air, you know, kind of roll it or what in, in the shape that you're going to roll it into, and then I'll wrap that with um, uh, freezer paper, so or uh, butcher paper, freezer paper, same thing, and uh, that you know we'll keep in a freezer. For me, it'll keep for like several years. I mean, I still have a venison front shoulder from like two years ago that I guarantee you is going to taste you know amazing. So. Um, Although I did have uh, someone once tell me that it's a freezer, not a time machine, but it's still going to be, it's still, in my opinion, it's still going to be, you know, pretty damn good as long as you took really nice care to, to wrap that meat and, and keep it from, uh, you know, preventing freezer burn. So, um, anyway, a little bit of an aside there. I can't remember what I was talking about. Oh yeah. So cube meat, right? For some reason, the cube meat, I, I just end up always putting in a zip, like one of the big gallon, like Ziploc baggies. I don't know why. Um, maybe I'm not that afraid if it gets a little bit of freezer burn here and there, because it's just going to be ground up and it's going to have spices in it and seasonings and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, may, 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 I don't know, I'm 50-50 on it. Sometimes I just do that, and sometimes I do actually wrap it up in the freezer paper. So um, I'm a little kind of fickle that way. But anyway, uh, the important thing is to get those sizes small. And then when you are ready to grind, the really important uh part to all this is make sure everything is cold now uh, on, on the verge of freezing now cold meat is a lot easier to cut uh, you know like half frozen almost frozen meat is a lot easier to cut and grind than um, you know like room temperature like kind of squishy meat if, if you will uh, it's easier on the blades it's easier uh, you know going through all, all the grates in the you know the, the plates in the grinder so having that stuff frozen you got to kind of time it uh, you can either, uh, if you're going to do it that night, you can either start to freeze it and then pull it out, you know, cause from room temperature, not room temperature, but you're out of the cooler or whatever. And then you put it, you know, in whatever bowl you're going to put it into or whatever tray you're going to put it into and then stick it in the freezer for a while. So it starts to kind of harden, uh, get solidify. And then, and then it's easier to, to grind. 
another kind of trick is to take all the you know the blades and the gear not the gears but take all the blades and uh, anything metal that's going to touch um, uh, the meat itself from the grinder so the blade the the screw the little corkscrew in there that it feeds all the you know that, that feeds the meat you know through and then the, the grates uh, the plates uh, I think the holes uh, I think was it? They're, they're three sixteenths and one eighth inch. I think I don't know. You can get different size holes. You know, like when they when they come through, um, uh, you know, as as ground. You know, um, keep all that stuff cold. You know, put it in the freezer for you know up until the point where you're actually ready to start grinding, and then just start grinding. You know, uh, I'm not going to tell you about you know what kind of setup you can do. You can do it into a bowl. You can do it into like a big like plastic tub or tray or something like that. Um, you can mix in whatever you want to mix in. Now, I when I'm making my burgers, um, like some people like just pure, pure venison. That's it. Some people add maybe like, you know, 5% fat. So, you know, if you've got, um, you know, like 10 pounds of, of burger, you know, you're going to have, what, what would that be? Like two, uh, what would that be? Two, per, no, two, uh, why am I, you know, like half a pound or whatever of, um, of, uh, like pork fat or beef fat or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure if I did that right. That would probably be, no. So 20%, let's say would be like two pounds, right? Two pounds to 10 pounds, whatever. Uh, you can change the ratio, whatever you want. Now, what I like to do is, um, I don't really, I, I kind of eyeball it. I, I'm going to be honest, but, uh, I like to go and buy like the fattiest, uh, bacon that I can find. And, um, you know, a lot of times when you go look at bacon, you're supposed to look at the back through a little sight window and you try to find the one with the most meat in it. You know, I go the other way. I buy the cheapest, uh, fattiest bacon that I can find because a, you're mixing it in with a little bit of pork and B you're getting that fat and C you're getting the, um, you know, the, the, the cured, you know, smoked flavor, whatever, if you buy like the apple cure, whatever, whatnot. So I'll take that and I will cube that stuff up too, or cut that stuff up and I will mix it in with the meat and I will grind it through. Now, typically, um, what I have found personally is I will only do a rough grind, like an initial grind uh, through there. Some people do it twice and get the fine grind, right? So they'll run it through the they'll, they'll run it through the grinder uh, th with with the the coarsest plate, and then uh, once that's done, they'll re put all that stuff back through with the finer plate. I've kind of given up on the on the on the finer plate for a while because what I found is with meat and especially with anything that's fatty. Okay, and you can you can you can do this with the ground beef too as a um, if you ever make your own uh, hamburgers patties or anything like that the more you kind of squish and knead you know kind of like kneading dough the more you kind of squish and handle and and, and mess with um, you know the, the fats and everything in the meat the more it turns into this kind of like a lump of waxy pasty lumpy thing right it kind of loses loses its um uh, I don't know what you got, like the individual strands, you know, it's fluffiness, if you will. Um, so I've kind of just taken to just grinding it only once through the course. Um, of course, your course plate may be different than my course plate and, and your palate, you know, your, you know, the way like mouthfeel kind of thing, you may want something different for you, you know, for, for what you got. So 
I don't know, experiment with it, but I just run it through, I just run it through once and I make sure that I've got the fat mixed in, you know, at a, at a you know, not an exact amount, you know, but I mean, I kind of mix it and I'll do like a few chunks of the meat and I'll put, you know, an appropriate amount of the bacon and a few chunks of meat and an appropriate amount of the bacon. And I'll end up with a pretty nice mix. And, um, again, I probably do 25% at a minimum, you know, I've been known to do more and I have no problem with that. I mean, basically you're just making like a, a venison bacon burger. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome. There's nothing that says, you know, just because you shot a deer, you know, wild game and all that stuff that you have to only keep it, you know, pure, pure, you know, wild game and pure deer, right? If, if that's what you want to do, that's 100% okay. This is your food. It's your kitchen. You know, don't let anybody tell you, you know, what you can and can't do and what you can and can't mix, um, you know, for, for, for what, for what you're, what you're going to eat. I mean, that's just, that's just, you know, the dumbest thing. If someone has a problem with it, well, okay, well, fine. Don't eat it. You know, go, go to your own house and, you know, grind your own and, and, you know, do, do your meal the way you want to do it. But if I want to, you know, if I want to add in beef, if I want to add in pork, if I want to add in bacon, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So, um, anyway, so that, that, that cheap bacon, fatty, fatty bacon to, uh, to deer minimum 25% I do, uh, works out really, really well. It acts as a binder. Number one, it adds a lot of flavor. Number two, and it's not just a fat flavor. It's that, that pork flavor too, you know, um, you, you, again, your, 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 your patties, your, uh, your, your, grind if you're going to make them into into um, burgers or if you're going to make them into meatballs you know no one not nobody says that they have to be 100% just uh, just deer if you want it 100% deer absolutely fine that's just fine too so um you can then get a um uh you, you can put them into uh, bags. They sell like one pound bags. Um, Lem sells a bunch of them. Uh, I, 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 I don't even know the, the, the brand names of some of the other ones. Cabela's has all these bags. I mean, you've seen them. They just look like a, like a white bag, like a white tube, basically, um, that has uh, ground meat in it, ground meat in it. Um, typically those are filled with, um, uh, the, the stuffer attachment, like a sausage, sausage stuffer attachment on your grinder. And most grinders will have that. Uh, you can just kind of pack that stuff, you know, with like a little spoon or whatever you wanted to into those bags. <clears throat> or, uh, again, you can just make, you know, one pound little, uh, you know, wrapped, uh, you know, cubes, bricks or whatever, and stick them in your freezer not a problem, you know, wrap them in saran wrap, wrap them in freezer paper, mark them and, and you're good to go. So, uh, what I would suggest you do though is, uh, and, and this kind of goes with anything that you're going to put in your freezer, the more finer and the more cuts you make, the more surface, surface area is going to be exposed and the more chance that you're going to get freezer burn. So, uh, when we get to, you know, talking about roasts, let's say, uh, a lot of people will, you know, cut the roast into like, you know, like individual steaks, you know, and then wrap those individual steaks and you might get like six, eight steaks or something like that out of like, let's say like a roast, right? Like a football roast or whatever. And if you make steaks out of those, well, what I would tend to do is I would leave that roast whole until you're ready to like, Hey, I'm going to grill a bunch of steaks or having people over or for the family or whatnot. And you know, you're going to be cutting and cooking, you know, six steaks or something like that out of the thing, pull the whole, 
deal out and then cut your, you know, let it defrost and then cut your steaks. That way, um, less surface area has been exposed to the air and there's less chance of freezer burn. Well, the same deal with, uh, with, with making burger. Uh, when you make the burger, um, you know, again, if you're careful, it's, it's really not that big a problem. But if you're really unsure about, you know, you've got like this, let's say like this gallon Ziploc bag of, of, uh, you know, frozen cubed one inch, you know, cubed meat, right? Um, I'll tend to keep that around because I'll say, okay, well, maybe I'm not going to turn it into burger. Maybe I do want, you know, some stew meat down on there if I'm going to make some chili or if I'm going to make, you know, some, some beef stew or, 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 or not beef stew or, you know, venison stew or whatever, then you always have the option. But if you just grind everything right away into, you know, little one pound, you know, ground, you know, ground venison, you can't go back. You can't go back the other way and make them into chunks. So, and plus the more you, like I said, the more you grind those things, the more surface area, the more chance it has to, um, uh, uh, get freezer burn. So anyway, keep that in mind. So uh, get that stuff, uh, cut, wrapped, and that's it. That's it. You're done. You know, you can do the spices if you want while you're grinding. I don't tend to do that. I just tend to just put the, to, I just tend to do the, the deer or the hog or the, you know, the, the bacon or whatever, in together mixed and then done i tend not to put any spices or anything like that in there until i'm actually ready to start making patties or whatever else i'm going to do with it that way i can season it um you know because you buy ground beef right you know most of us do i do i don't live off of off wild game i wish i did but you do the same with ground beef you don't just buy seasoned ground beef usually you just buy it normally in the you know saran wrap little thing there or in the tubes or whatever and then you bring it home and then you can season it so it's really no different. So uh, that's number one. So keep your stuff cold. Keep the meat cold. Don't put, you know, too big of a chunk in there. And then watch your plates. You know, I would, the, the, the plates, uh, the plate, uh, you know, coarse versus fine. Um, most everywhere you'll read, they'll tell you run it through coarse and then do fine. And I used to do that. And like I said, it sometimes it turns into like too much of a mush for me. And, uh, I've just backed off on that. I'm okay with the, I'm okay with the course. So, uh, so there you have it. That is the, uh, the first one, the first recipe, and that is for, uh, just grinding meat. Okay. Number two is venison ribs. Uh, and these, you know, venison ribs can, can apply to, if you shoot a lot of hogs too, a lot of the hogs have great ribs on them too. It depends on the size of the animal how much meat is going to be on them. A lot of times that meat, you know, has tended, you know, throughout the years, I guess, to end up in the grind pile. Um, again, that's fine. You can do them in the grind pile, not a problem, but there's nothing that says, uh, that you got to throw away those ribs or just, you know, d discard them. Even if you don't think there's a ton of meat on there, there's a lot of flavor on there. Okay. Anytime anything's like next to bone and anything that's kind of next to, uh, that's got connective tissue, that kind of thing, that is perfect, perfect, uh, opportunity for you to do a low and slow, uh, cooking and then do like a high heat later on, especially with, with when we're talking about ribs to, uh, to get the final finish. So, uh, with the ribs, what I would probably tend to do is, you know, you, you take them off, you, you know, you take them off where they attach to the spine and they're kind of long, right? They're kind of like a big, kind of like a big rib. Um, what I would probably 
tell you to do is then cut those ribs in half. You can cut those ribs in half with a, uh, I don't know, you can use a saw, you can use a sawzall. A lot of people just use like a sawzall with a clean blade. Um, I highly doubt most of you guys have a professional, uh, you know, butcher's bandsaw, you know, where you can just like, bzzz, you know, zip them through and, and, and cut them in half. Uh, you're probably not going to do that, but, you know, use it, use a, uh, 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 what am I saying here? Sawzall. Use a sawzall cut them. You can use a hacksaw too, um, depending on the thickness of the bones. Hacksaw tends to take a long time uh, to cut through, like a bone saw even takes, you know, kind of a long time. I just, honestly, I just use a sawzall. Um, you know, kind of brush away all the little bone fragments, all the little bone dust. That I, I don't tend to like that, but um, get rid of that stuff. So on from for from a pair of ribs, you get like four sets of ribs, basically, um, cut in half. And I think if you were to buy those in the store, I think like what the St. Louis ribs are the ones that are closest to the spine and the rib uh, short ribs are the ones uh, near the near the tips, you know, kind of, um, you know, out farther. I, I can't remember uh, the exact terminology, but um, those ribs, what you're going to do is you're going to take them and you are going to put them with some stock. I don't care what kind of stock you use. I, you know, a lot of people make um, venison stock or some sort of game stock, which are absolutely, you know, go ahead and do that there's there's recipes out there uh on how to do it i don't really go through all that trouble trouble takes a long time i'll go buy like the mccormick's or as a mccormick or swanson's or whatever stock you know and it'll be like vegetable stock or chicken stock or beef stock buy something right i usually do vegetable vegetables pretty you know pretty neutral for everything if you're really wanting to add in um some more hearty meaty flavor you can use some beef stock and you put it in a crock pot and you know, as long as they fit in there, or you can do like in a Dutch oven, or you can do like in, in a big pot or whatever. And what you're going to do is you're going to braise those ribs. What that means is you are going to do, you're going to cover them with just enough stock, just enough uh, liquid, and then bring that liquid up to not a boil, but a simmer. Now just below a simmer, be oh, it's a simmer. If the thing is bubbling and boiling and all that, it's, it's too much. It's too high of a heat. Um, you have to be careful with a crock pot. Most crock pots have like warm, low, and high. And there's no temperature uh, regulation in there. You can't really set the temperature. Some of the higher end crock pots you can. But mine, even the digital one I have, you know, instead of just like the regular old dial, it's still warm, low, and hot. And sometimes on low, that sucker, depending on what you put in there, you know, a few hours in, that's just boiling water, right? So you got to really be, you got to really be careful because if you do that, the meat ends up tough. Whatever you put in there ends up tough. But if you have it on a simmer, and the best way to do this for me is if you're not doing it in a crock pot, if you have like, uh, you know, if you're home on the weekend or whatever, and you've got some time, you know, put them into a pot, put them into a Dutch oven, and just low and slow, and let those things simmer. And they're going to simmer depending on the size of the ribs, probably for about an hour. Minimum should be should be more than enough, maybe an hour and a half or something like that. You don't want to go too far. Just enough for me, as far as ribs goes, uh, just enough to get that uh, the meat kind of not completely falling off the bone, but it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to come off the bone. You still want a little bit of bite to it as far as being able to, you know, to eat ribs, because, you know, eating ribs is kind of like a cavemanish kind of thing. You want to be tearing that meat off the bone, right? So um, 
you're going to pull those things off. Now, for seasoning, you can put whatever seasoning you want. Okay, I'm not, this podcast isn't necessarily meant to be like, you know, use this seasoning and use X amount of, you know, salt here and this many teaspoons of this. Use whatever the hell you want. Whatever you cook with, with everything else that you cook, you know, as far as meat goes and ribs that you buy at the store, do the same thing. Okay, but we're not adding barbecue sauce or anything like that right now. All we're doing is we're just basically we're braising the meat. Braising again is in a in a liquid, not completely submerged, but in a you know mostly covered in a liquid that is low and slow simmering. What that's doing is breaking down all that connective tissue. It's breaking down um, any of the ligaments or anything like that that might be in it. It's breaking down the uh, uh, the toughness of the meat itself. And it's all turning into just this just nice kind of, you know, awesome flavor. You can definitely put in, um, you know, whatever spices or, you know, bay leaves or whatever you want to do, you know, in, in when, you're, when you're simmering this stuff down. But don't get, you know, don't get too caught up in it. They're just ribs. They're meat. Uh, you're not going to get, you know, outstanding, you know, like flavor out of them just, just because there's not a ton of meat there, number one. And number two, you're going to, then in the next step, you're going to actually put them uh, on the grill or in the oven with some barbecue sauce. So you'll get an idea of, you know, how much you want to do as far as how tender you want them to be. And, uh then you pull them off. You pull them off. You you can let them cool or whatever. Uh, you can absolutely save that 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 stock uh, that you that you braise these in because now you've kind of flavored it with the bones of the of the of the ribs too, and you can save that for you know you started off with say say store bought stock, but you've infused it now with uh, even more flavor. I would encourage you to save that for a future uh, you know future recipe or whatever. But uh, with the bones now, okay, with with the ribs, you can then cut those things um, if you haven't already. You know, you can cut them into like you know three or four uh, kind of you know four prong you know uh, sections, right? So you know like f- you know four bones or four sections of meat you know per rib. I'm not sure how many you're going to get out of uh, out of each one of them because again, depending on the size of the deer. But they make it, um, you, and you may have already had to have done that, obviously, in order to get them all in the crock pot or get them all in the, you know, the Dutch oven or the pot or whatever they happen to be cooking them in. And um, what you're going to do, and, and and these basically become like individual, like, you know, plate-like servings, right? And most people can eat like four small ribs kind of thing. So, um, you know, like three, you know, three a piece or four a piece or whatever. It's just kind of... Um, I don't know, a good presentation, I guess, right? And then you're going to take those and then you're going to put them on, you're going to baste them with whatever barbecue sauce you want to baste them in. If you want to make your homemade barbecue sauce, go for it. If you want to dump some, you know, sweet baby rays on there, go ahead. I love sweet baby rays. So you're going to put them on the grill. Um, you, depending on your grill, you can do like medium heat, high heat. I tend to do, you know, medium high. So enough that the uh, barbecue sauce then starts to, you know, gets get, gets all kind of like nice and thick and gooey and starts to, um, you know, caramelize on top. And that is, you know, going to be like basically like your finisher, okay? So the main cooking event as far as, you know, getting the meat cooked and getting the meat tender, okay, happened while you were cooking it, uh, when you're braising it low and slow. The final finishing uh, is probably going to take, again, I don't know your oven, I don't know your... I don't know your um, uh, your barbecue, 
it's probably going to take I don't know ten minutes maybe you know five minutes fifteen minutes who knows depending how your how your uh, uh, grill works but uh, just basically just you know slather on the barbecue sauce as thick or as little as you want you know again it's it's your preference doesn't matter and you know I just wait till it starts to you know kind of bubble a little bit and starts to get a little bit crusty and um, man that is so good and you take those off and you know they're not going to have as much meat as you're going to get in, you know from like store-bought um you know store-bought ribs or whatever that you make and they're not going to have as much meat as you go with, you know like a sunny's barbecue or something like that but guess what they're going to be amazing and uh, you know it's going to be super tender and there's going to be enough meat on there and you're going to be thankful that you didn't actually throw away those ribs or discard them, you know, uh, where, you know, leave them, leave them with the carcass. If, if it looks like there's enough meat on there, go ahead and do it. Now, another, another kind of way there to make sure you have enough meat on there too, is when you're butchering the, when you're butchering your deer and you skin the thing, um, a lot of times there will be at least over like half of the ribs and at least like the lower half, there will be like, uh, uh, like flank meat, you know, like what we would call like skirt steak, uh, flank meat on there. A lot of times that flank meat gets cut off, gets tossed into the grind pile. And then, you know, there's really nothing left. That part's really not, not left on the bones anymore on, on the uh, ribs anymore. So next time you're doing that, leave most of it out on there. So you'll have like more meat per rib i guess you know on each one and then it's it's just going to be that much more meat for you so anyway so there you go so we've discussed the grind we've discussed uh ribs don't throw away those ribs uh the third thing we're going to discuss is um shanks and blade roast venison shoulder now shanks have probably uh been discarded a lot of times a lot of times that people don't even mess with them uh for you know doing grind okay because it is it's got so much sinew it's got so much connective tissue in it it is really really difficult i mean most people just leave them you know or have left them which is really a shame i think in the last uh, this is turning though the tide's turning because in the last i'm going to say five six seven years something like that especially with i'm going to call like the renella factor um people have gotten, you know, clued into the idea of making osobuco with it. Osobuco is basically, you know, uh, what as a, it's called bone, I guess it translates to bone broth, really, uh, or or bone discs, I can't remember. Um, but osobuco is really basically just like discs of shank, right? And it's been served in, you know, fancy restaurants for a very, very long time. Well, that shank meat is amazing when, again, you braise it low and slow. So you don't necessarily have to take the shank and cut it into discs. You can if you want. Again, you can use your saw, you can use your hacksaw, you can use your sawzall, whatever, and you can certainly make like round discs out of it. But it's okay to just 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 take that shank in itself, right, with the bone and everything in there, and then um, putting that, or if you need to break it in half, you know, that's fine. And putting that into again a crock pot or a Dutch oven, and low and slow. This time though, you're gonna do it for like multiple hours, okay? Because it's a lot of connective tissue in there. Everything, like I said, everything in there that makes it so difficult to, uh, if you were to try and you know cut the meat off and 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 trim that meat up, everything that makes it such a pain in the ass to do that way makes it 
like twice as amazing when you actually do the low and slow method because what that brazing is doing is it's melting all that connective tissue it's melting all that sinew and all that is turning into gelatin and it is turning into meat butter okay it is just mixing in with all the uh, with with the uh, with the meat that is on the shank and it'll probably take oh I'm gonna say minimum of three hours Okay, three, three and a half hours. Uh, and for me, I do like it until, you know, it's falling off the bone because there's really nothing else that you're going to do with it. You're not going to take it back onto the grill and, 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 and grill it or anything like that. So you can do the exact same thing, by the way, with, uh, with the blade, with the front shoulder blade, the scapula, the dreaded scapula that, you know, those bow hunters, we don't want to hit, you know, we want to stay away from. Everyone knows what the scapula looks like. Uh, depending on the size of the deer, you may want to cut this thing in half, okay? And um, you have on the front side of it, on the outside of it, you know, you'll have like the bigger dish. You'll have, and then you'll have like a bigger kind of, you know, chunk of meter in there. And a lot, of, and, and, and typically, historically, people have, like I said, kind of cut down and kind of scoop down in there, cut that meat out, put that into the grind pile. Well, same with the shanks, same with this. Put the venison blade roast um, with with, uh, with the blade. Actually, with the shanks too. Before you, before you do any of that stuff, I, I kind of jumped ahead. Is season it. Season it with whatever seasoning you're going to do. If you're going to do salt, pepper. If you're going to do any other spices, I don't care. Whatever whatever you normally put on your steak. Season it. Get a nice hot pan. Again, I use a Dutch oven. I love using a Dutch oven. Get a nice hot pan. A little bit of oil in there, and then put it in there, and then sear all sides till it's uh, till it's nice and and brown. Okay, uh, searing, turning it into brown, turning it, you know, uh, browning something is called the Maillard reaction. That's a fancy word for saying like uh, it's making flavor. <laughs> okay, um, it changes the chemical. Uh, there's a chemical reaction that happens when. Uh, uh, the meat starts to turn that color, that brownish color, the browning of meat, okay? That's actually creating a lot of flavor, and you want to keep that flavor. So when I do this, I do this in a Dutch oven, and it's kind of like a one-pot dish almost, right? Um, so whether it's the, it's, the, it's the venison blade roast or the, or the shank, sear all sides of it. Get all the meat nice and brown because you're creating flavor. That's, that's going to be like the biggest base of your flavor in, the, in this deal. And once you've got all that done, then, then you can add in your liquid. Again, you stock uh, vegetable stocks, game stock, I don't care. Put the stock, get it low and slow. And then it basically, I put it in my Dutch oven and it sits on my stovetop. You can put it in your oven, but I, you know, I just put it on my stovetop. But like literally once it gets, once it gets to the temperature that I want it to, I can leave my dial on my gas burner set at like one. Okay. And the Dutch oven has so much heat because it's cast iron. Um, it holds so much heat that it's just basically, um, there's, there's, there's a different flavor that comes out of that than just kind of doing it in, in like a regular pot, but. If that's all you have, that's fine. Do it in a regular pot. Do it in a crock pot. I don't care. But um, low and slow, three, three and a half hours at a minimum. And then you can just kind of go check it. With this one, though, uh, I do recommend that you, you know, put in, if you're going to put in some bay leaves, if you're going to put in some onions, if you're going to put in any kind of aromatics that, um, you know, uh, that are going to kind of enhance the flavor of, of that meat, enhance the flavor of the juices that it's sitting in. 
and and all of that, like I said, all that ligament, all that uh, stuff, uh, connective tissue is going to turn into into this to, to meat butter, right? It's just, it's going to be gelatin. It's going to get soaked into everything, and the flavor is just outstanding. Okay, a lot of people like to talk about backstraps, right? In 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 the in the hunting world, backstrap, backstrap, backstrap. You know, that's or, or the tenderloins. Well, to me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like backstraps. That's fine. But it's a flavorless steak. There's really not a lot of flavor there. I like backstrap because you can treat it just like any other meat. You can season it, sear it, put it on the grill, hot, high heat, you know, low, medium, rare, and, you know, sear the outside kind of thing and then take it off, right? <clears throat> Those kind of steaks are fine. Some of the steaks from the from the hindquarter are fine. Really, really high heat, sear the outside, cook it to medium, you know, medium, rare, and... Uh, and then take it off. Well, that doesn't work with these kinds of meats. With those kind of steaks, that's great. The flavor isn't there. It's just meat. I mean, it's 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 a different kind of flavor than beef or whatever, but it's nothing special. But I'm telling you, you do some of these cuts that have connective tissue in them for a long time, and the flavor will absolutely blow any piece of backstrap that you've ever had completely out of the water. Um, I will never ever shoot, you know, with a rifle. I will never ever shoot another deer in the shoulder again. Some people like to shoot them there in, in the shoulder to kind of anchor them, you know. Um, but you are wasting such incredible flavor off. The, I mean, I, I I cringe, almost cry when I uh, you know if if I if I have to throw away any kind of um, any kind of shoulder now. So. Anyway, so this thing's been sitting in there in your, in your Dutch oven or crock pot for three, three and a half hours. The last hour, if you're going to add in, um, you know, your potatoes, carrots, uh, you know, whatever else you want, you want to kind of put in there. Um, the la- Not even hour, maybe like 45 minutes, you know, so they don't turn like completely mushy. And uh, finish cooking with that stuff in the last, you know, 45 minutes. Don't don't just dump all that stuff in the beginning because it's gonna it's just gonna turn to mush. And I'm not a big fan of that. If you don't have a choice, if you're gonna do this, like I said, uh, if you're gonna set this thing, you know, before you leave for the day or something like that, and have it cooking in there like really really slow for a long time, and you don't have a choice in, in your in your crock pot, okay, that's fine. But if you're gonna spend like let's say a Saturday afternoon and really putting like some heart and soul into this thing. Get the meat done, get all the flavor, get it almost completely falling off. Last 45 minutes, put in your, um, you know, potatoes and carrots and that kind of stuff. And uh, then then that's it. And you, it's basically, when it's done, you pull it out and you, it, it, it the entire, let's say for um, uh, front shoulder, the whole scapula will literally just, will, will be completely clean. You know, the whole bone, you're just sitting there with like a little scoop. Uh, a little shovel, you know, that is a scapula, and all the meat will just be completely falling off. Um, it'll almost be like beef stew, you know, or uh, some sort of stew, but uh, you take that out. You can put a little bit of flour into it if you wanted to, if you wanted to thicken up the sauce, depending on how much um, uh, uh, liquid you originally put into the thing, and it just, you know, thickens it up. I personally like to thicken it up just a little bit, and I'll put it into a bowl. You can serve this over... You can serve it over anything. You can serve it over rice. You can. I. I like to eat it just. You know, as as like a stew. And the meat is the the flavor is just out of this world, out of this world. So, if you are still insistent on grinding your shoulder, eh, you know, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm not. I'm not super happy with you. Sorry. If you're uh, insistent on not dealing with the shanks, I'm really not happy with you. Sorry, you know, my opinion. But go ahead and try this. It's not that difficult. It's not that fancy. I mean, honestly, you're just literally putting something. You're, you're, you're searing it. 
you're uh, uh, you know uh, browning it and and you're li- literally just putting it in a crock pot or a Dutch oven for several hours and that's it I mean it's so so simple it's really really simple food and it's but the flavor is just just out of this world so um, that is by far on a deer the the a blade roast is by far my absolute favorite preparation. Um, you know, if it comes down to choosing, you know, that between everything else, I mean, you can keep the burger, you can keep the back straps, you can keep all that stuff. I'll take the venison blade roast 100% of the time. It's it's just that that good. Okay, so the last thing is uh, canning. So I got into canning, um, I don't know, several years back. And I've been doing like, you know, salsas and peaches and, you know, uh, uh, like like dilly beans and that kind of stuff. And uh, then I decided to, with a batch, with one particular batch of deer, I decided to, to can some venison. I don't know why. I just, you know, it, just, it was something else to try. It was something new to try. I'd never done it before. So... What we're doing with canning is basically we're preserving. We're preserving meat for use at a future time. And we're preserving meat uh, to be stored at room temperature. Okay. Now, to get into canning, you're probably going to have to have, um, not probably, you are going to have to have some canning equipment. So this is for you guys and gals that actually have canning equipment, like a pressure canner. There's something called a water bath canner which only brings the temperature of the, you know, internals to, you know, to 212 degrees, which is where water boils. It doesn't get it any hotter than that. Uh, for this recipe, pressure canning is uh, really recommended. And I do have a video out there on this. Actually, I have a video on doing the blade roast as well. But I do have a video on uh, on canning. I, I, I show you how to, uh, how to cube it how to, uh, you know, put stuff in the jars and what you need to do and the things you need to pay attention to and that kind of thing. It's on, it's on the YouTube channel. So definitely go check that, check that one out. But so anyway, going back to canning, why why do we want this? Well, what I do is I can, um, you know, like one, uh, kind of quart size, uh, jars, sorry, pint size jars. That's a small one. Uh, pint, pint one? Why? Sorry, it's late at night. I'm getting confused. The, the, the small jars, right? The pint jars. Um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll can those things. And the, the purpose of that is, you know, for for those nights where you get home and you need to make dinner quickly and you just, you know, you don't want to have to deal with cooking like a long time. So you're trying to get like a 15-minute meal kind of going, right? Or even even less than that. The beauty of this is you go down to your pantry or you go down in your cupboard or whatever, you yank one of these jars off, you, you take it off, you pop the lid, uh, you put it into uh, like a little uh, sauce pot, and you uh, you heat it up. You heat up the contents in it. It's already cooked. It's already cooked in there. The meat's already cooked. And uh, when it's been canned, okay, the canning process with a um, uh, pressure canner, well, I think... I'd, I'd have to look at the exact canning time. I don't. I don't want to say something wrong on here, but it's it's like anywhere from like 15 minutes, to like 20 minutes, or something like that. But it gets canned at like 250 degrees or something crazy, 255 or something like that. And um, it's just meat, basically. It's just cubed meat that you've put into the canning jar. You can put some, uh, you know, some garlic and stuff in there. And you and the way I can it, I actually can it uh, dry. I don't put any liquid or anything like that in there because there's enough liquid in the meat during the canning process that's going to come out that actually like fills most of the jar, believe it or not. And, um, 
the contents inside when you actually look at the when you when you actually look at this this jar at first right it doesn't look too appetizing right? i'm i'm going to tell you that right now it doesn't look too appetizing you can show it to your friends and be like oh i'm really not going to eat that but i'm telling you what you've created inside is a little jar of pot roast okay the act of canning this thing has it broken down the meat um it has made it really really soft it has made it really uh uh, uh juicy because again, the, the 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 juice has come out of it, but it's still cooking in its own juices, right? So we're basically like pressure cooking this thing almost. And, well, we are pressure cooking it inside. So um, what this has done then is basically turned those cubed uh, chunks of of meat that you know you you started off with into um, basically pot roast inside. So what you do is you pull this off the shelf, you put it into you know you pop the, you pop the jar lid you put it into a uh, like a stock pot or something like that just to kind of heat it up just to kind of warm it up and um and that's it you can put it again it's up to you you can put a little bit of liquid in there if you wanted to i tend to put a little bit of liquid and i use just maybe like a teaspoon of um maybe like a tablespoon maybe of uh just like you know store-bought uh, gravy mix right the, the powdered gravy mix just to kind of thicken it up a little bit and give it a little bit more flavor when i can i tend not to can with any kind of salt or anything like that in there because i don't know what i'm going to add in as far as spices and seasonings when i actually go to eat it all you're really doing is cooking meat and preserving it so when it gets into this when it gets into the pot that you're kind of reheating it up in you can kind of you know get in there with like a wooden spoon or a fork or whatever and kind of flake it up it, it basically turns into like shredded you know pot roast kind of thing um and like i said i put in a little bit a little bit of liquid in there i'll put in you know, a little bit of uh, uh um a gravy mix in there mix it all up and at the same time while this thing is heating up you can you know go ahead and put that packet of you know 90 second you know uncle ben's rice in the in the microwave or you can be making noodles, uh, you know, egg noodle over egg noodles is really good. And then you just pour this over that, you know, it's it's just so good. Or you can eat it just like that. You can put it over potatoes, whatever you want it. It's, it's pot roast. But it's just like the meat part of pot roast, right? So literally this takes no time at all. Well, I'll say no time, obviously. But I mean, you can have a meal ready in about 15, you know, 10, 15 minutes. So when you get home and you forgot to pull something out and it's not defrosting and you don't want to take out order takeout or whatever uh you don't want to cook you don't want to get into that what are we going to eat tonight um literally you grab a jar or two however many you know you want to do in your family um you grab a jar pop it put it in heat it up and put it over you know make some noodles make some egg noodles i like to do it over this this uh uh started eating this like quinoa brown rice you know combo you know again 90 seconds put it in the fruit you put it in the microwave it's done you pour this thing over and it's just it's easy it's it's so so easy and what didn't look so appetizing in the jar, you know, as it's in the jar, once it's out of the jar, obviously, it's just basically shredded pot roast um, that you put put over and eat, and eat just like that. If you wanted to, because it's shredded already, because it's already soft and tender and, and kind of cooked down and, and, and soft, um, you could uh, just easily, easily take this and, um, you know, you can make uh, tacos out of it. You know, like you can make taco meat, like, you know, uh, kind of like you would with uh, like beef tacos, you know, shredded beef tacos kind of thing. You can make tacos out of it. You can do whatever you want with it. It's just really, really easy to do. Um, and it will give you, it'll give you, I don't know, a, a, another avenue to kind of be 
a little creative in the kitchen, do something a little bit different than what you normally have, and it'll save freezer space because, again, this stuff can sit on a shelf at room temperature, you know, in a jar, you know, as long as you follow safe canning practices. And I'm not going to get into canning in this one. I got, I, I have, a, I have a few videos on canning. Um, go check them out. That's where I kind of really go through the different steps, uh, different kinds of canning, uh, the the things you need to watch out for, the safety concerns, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to get into it right now because that's a little bit much, much deeper of a conversation. But um, definitely if you're into canning and, uh, you know, you've got a, you know, a couple, you know, jars of salsa or two or whatever under your belt and you have a pressure canner, by all means, try this recipe or, or, or try it, you know, try can not recipe, but try canning. Absolutely, absolutely go ahead and do it. It's going to be something very, very cool. And I'm telling you, you're going to be really thankful you did uh, because, like I said, when you get home and you haven't pulled something for dinner, it's just a really, really kind of quick and easy way to, to, to you know, to, to get dinner going. So anyway, okay, so those are the four kind of preparations that, uh, you know, you may want to do with, with your wild game. Um, obviously, you can do, you know, the other stuff like you can, you know, you can make jerky. You can make jerky a couple ways. You can slice the jerky and make like you know like like sliced actual like you know strips of strips of meat, or you can um, uh, make jerky out of out of grind. You can grind it and then put that into like a like a jerky shooter kind of thing, like a jerky gun kind of thing, and make like the strips of jerky with. Um, you know that's not one single piece, but it's you know what I'm talking about. I've done both. You can do um, you can do either one of those. That's still kind of fun to do. You can definitely cut steaks uh, off of you know um, a lot of the steaks will obviously come from the the tenderloins. It'll come from the loins. It'll come from um, uh, the main muscle groups and the on, on the hind quarter. You can do all kinds of stuff. You if you want to feel really really adventurous, you know you can definitely do. Um, you know the liver. You can do tongue. You know it seems like there's like this ex- explosion of uh, of uh, hunt the the culinary you know hunter uh, kind of thing. You know so definitely uh, you know go ahead and explore some of the stuff. Now as a bonus here, while I'm thinking about it, I said four, but I'm going to add a fifth one here just to round out the hour. Uh, the 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 fifth thing that I hadn't done before until like a few years ago was uh, heart. And heart seems to be uh, really catching on, as you know, with with hunters nowadays. You you hear a lot of people about you know, cooking with heart. Now, some people can't get over the fact that it is a heart. And I got to tell you, like visually, you look at this thing, and it's like, yeah, it's a chunk of meat, but it looks like no other chunk of meat, like any, like all the other chunks of meat that you that you normally eat. I get that. If you can get past that, heart is amazing. And I make heart uh, uh, heart uh, fajitas. And the heart is really easy to do. Save that heart. Um, I mean, you, you can freeze it too. But just like with anything, uh, make sure you get all the silver skin and the fat and all that kind of stuff off because that kind of tends to go rancid, uh, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot quicker. It's not like beef fat. So with the heart, what I like to do is basically treat it like a bell pepper. If you've ever cored out a bell pepper... Okay, you're gonna treat the heart just like it kind of looks like a bell pepper. You're gonna treat it the same way. Anything that's white, trim it away. So any of the kind of the hardened kind of fat that's on the outside, um, you know, just just basically get down to the meat. 
Now, with uh, with the inside of it, if you've ever cored out a bell pepper, right, you kind of open it up and you kind of scoop out all the white stuff, all the white flesh that's inside and the seeds and all that. You do the exact same thing with a heart. Treat it like a bell pepper. So if you open it up, if you cut it into slices, cut away all the white stuff inside. The white stuff is not very good. However, what's left there is... Um, is just going to be just pure muscle. Now, this is a muscle that gets a lot of work, right? So it's a tougher muscle. But if you cut it thin enough, it's, and it's not super, super tough. Don't, I don't want to scare you off on that. But if you if you cut it thin enough, again, if you're going to cut like little strips of pepper, or you, gonna, you know, um, treat it treat it treat it the same way too. You can you can actually cut the heart um, either into strips or you can cut it into kind of like thin discs. Okay, depending on which which way you uh, which way you hold it and which way you cut it. I typically like to cut it into strips, and um, I, I cut them thin enough. You know, I cut the strips thin enough so they're still tender. And then what I do is I make fajitas out of them. Again, store-bought fajita seasoning, right? McCormick's fajita seasoning, just fine. Put it into a skillet, um, you know, with the seasoning in there. Dump it in there. Put it in there with some um, some sliced onions or and, and peppers or whatever else you're going to do, and serve it up. So basically, it's like fajita meat, and it is so good. It's just chewy, okay? It's not overly chewy, but it's chewy. But it's got, you know, it doesn't have any, like, weird flavor. It doesn't have any outstanding flavor. It just it just tastes like meat, but it's really good. But it'll give you something else to do with a part of the animal that, um, you know, you may have typically, you know, kind of discarded. And I don't want to get all woo-woo about it, you know? It's like, you're, you know, you're eating the heart. You're eating the soul of the, of the animal or whatever, you know, the heart of the hunter kind of thing. Whatever. I don't know. Um, I, I just, I just see it as like another chunk of meat that I don't want to waste. So as long as you cut away the white stuff, heart is really good. As long as you get over, uh, the initial kind of sitting there looking at it on your cutting board, cause the heart looks, you know, I mean, it looks like a CSI episode, right? Or, you know, one of these like doctor shows or whatever, uh, honestly, um, and it may kind of turn your palate. It may kind of turn you off, you know, visually kind of thing. If you get over that or you don't show your family if they're kind of against it or whatever and you just slice it up really, really thin, make fajitas out of it, it is super, super good. If you slice it up in the discs, you can actually kind of bread it um, and bread it and just, you know, in, in, seasoned, uh, in seasoned breadcrumbs kind of thing and fry it. Uh, that, that ends up being, I've never had that, but I mean, that looks like it's, it's pretty good. So there's lots of, there's lots of ways to do it, but don't shy away from that. So anyway, um, I hope you guys got some good ideas from, from this episode. Uh, I don't know if you guys have tried any of this stuff. If you haven't go ahead and do it. If you want to, you know, steer away from the normal, just burgers and steaks, by all means, get a little, you know, experiment right? Even if you're not going to do, uh, you know, even if you're just going to do like a one shank, go ahead and just try it on one shank. You know, if you're going to do one shoulder, part of a shoulder, go cut the shoulder in half, try it like that. If you don't like it, you can always grind the rest. No problem. You know, go ahead and try, try to, you know, do the heart, go ahead and try to can it. If you don't like it, you know, no big deal. You know, you're only out like a couple jars, not, not a big deal at all. So, all right. On that, I'm going to uh, I'm going to end it on this one, and um, on a future episode, I will talk about some of the stuff uh, as far as uh, uh, kitchen tools and processing tools. 
We'll get more in depth into like different types of knives, um, you know, grinders, uh, you know, jerky kind of stuff, slicers, uh, canning things, uh, you know, cookware, that kind of stuff. I do want to do an episode on that because it's like really, uh, you know, makes me feel kind of warm and fuzzy talking about that kind of stuff just as much as I like talking about bows and arrows and, and guns and things like that. So uh, if you haven't left the rating, please, please, please leave a rating. It is vitally important. That's how we get found. Um, you don't even have to leave a comment. It's just just go ahead and go ahead and leave leave a five star rating. That's how the podcasters catch us. Uh, please share this episode if uh, you, especially this one. If you have some foodie friends, if you have friends that don't hunt um, but are just you know into um, into cooking and or anything like that, uh, go ahead and share this episode. And go ahead and watch some of these YouTube videos. Like I said, I have a YouTube video on uh, the braised venison shoulder. I've got a video on um, uh, the uh, the canning and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you might get a better visual understanding, a little more in-depth on, on what I'm talking about over here. So, uh, anyway, so like, share, subscribe. And I appreciate you guys joining me for another week. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks.